welcome everyone to the Untitled Art Podcast presented by Artsy. And we are live here at Untitled Art Miami Beach. And I'm very pleased to introduce our conversation this afternoon uh, entitled Future Knowing. And it's a discussion with artists uh, led by Untitled Art guest curator Natasha Becker, who is the curator of African art at the De Young Museum in San Francisco. And our artist participants include Ana Teresa Fernandez, who's showing at Untitled with Catherine Clark Gallery, Alexander Lee, who's showing with Marissa Newman Projects, um, Adebayo Balaji, showing with Beers London, um, and Phyllis Stevens, who is showing with Richard Beaver's gallery. And so we're so pleased to welcome you all. Thank you for joining us. And without further ado, I'll hand the mic over to Natasha to introduce further. Thank you, Emily. Um, welcome, everybody. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us in this beautiful lounge that was specially created by Joyce Billard, and you can read a little bit about it there, but I saw them installing the lounge and there was a lot of care and attention that the artists paid to it, so I just want to shout out to them. Um, it's, it's great to be here with you. Um, it's my absolute pleasure to be here today and to be having the first conversation with some of the artists at the fair. We'll also be talking tomorrow to some curators at the fair at 5 p.m. and again on Friday to some of the galleries here. So please come back um, or tune in again at 5 p.m. So I'm going to start by introducing Phyllis Stevens again, who's seated on my right here. And it's a real honor to share the stage with her because she's quite a legend, um, having been a quilt maker and an image maker for about 30 years or so, over 30 years. And, you know, she's had an extraordinary career, is uh, represented in museums in, uh, nationally across the United States. And, you know, we are honored to see your work here at the fair with Richard Beavers, um, a beautiful presentation. And, um, you know, Phyllis was born in Connecticut and uh, raised in Georgia. Do I have that right? Georgia and then Connecticut? <laughs> Um, and, you know, has this uh, incredible connection to um, the craft of sewing and, you know, the kinds of um, uh, intergenerational passing down of knowledge and support and encouragement by her mother and her uh, paternal aunt. Who taught, who, who taught you how to sew and grandmother. So there's just this, you know, you embody this rich kind of intergenerational cultural history. And then of course her work is highly symbolic of the kinds of stories that come out of um, the African-American experience. So we're really thrilled to have you. Thank you for being here. I know it's been a very busy uh, art week for all our artists who have been very active in participating. So we really appreciate you spending time with us today. Um, and then I'd like to introduce on my left um, Adebayo Balaji, uh, who's showing with, as Emily said, with Beers London. Now, he has quite a story because um, 
you'll see in the booth documentation of his work, uh, the shipment still being stuck somewhere in the netherworld of shipping. But despite that, um, the gallery and uh, Adebayo have really rose to the occasion, been engaging with people at the booth and, you know, sharing his work. So we, we feel your pain, but we also applaud your resilience and your inventiveness in putting together such a beautiful documentation of your work. Um, Adebayo is an interdisciplinary artist who has a very interesting background as someone who trained as a lawyer, um, has been in theater, trained as an actor, and is also a writer and a poet. And all of this informs his work Born in, born in London, lives in England, um, and, you know, it's his first show here in the US, right? Um, first showing of your work here. Yeah, I mean, last year it was on as well, and I was meant to be shown in New York, but COVID, yeah. you know, got yeah. in the way. So, but so yeah. look, we look forward to seeing lots more of you here as well. And then um, next to Adebayo is a long-term friend, uh, Alexander Lee, who I got to meet in New York City many years ago. Um, and Alex, as we call him, is uh, an American born in California, but of French and Polynesian um, heritage. And he lives between uh, Tahiti, where he was raised, and New York uh, right now. And over the years, you know, I've seen Alex's work explore that heritage and that intersection between these uh, two cultures and histories. And he has a project, at, uh, artwork at Medicine Newman Projects where I also saw a few years ago, I think it was 2018, an installation that Alex did at the gallery that was um, completely immersive, but really spoke to um, the imagery of nature and of mythology to conjure up new stories about um, the, I guess I would say the French Polynesian diasporic experience. <laughs> Um, which is interesting resonances with African diaspora experiences too, actually. And then joining us on the far end um, is um, uh, our second, uh, our, our fourth um, guest artist, Ana Teresa Fernandez, who has been very busy at the fair, having <laughs> launched and, and participated in a performance at the Ant uh, Project um, that's on view with uh, who's presenting the Ant project? The, the other artists, Ron Rell and Erlene Correa Valencia. Okay, and your but your projects also Truth Form. Truth Form. Yes. Okay, sorry about that. And where, which booth is that? C16. C16. And then right here, close to us at Catherine Clark Gallery, you'll see um, a photograph and a video installation of. Um, of Anna Teresa's work as well. And that's work that I'm more familiar with, which I saw um, recently in San Francisco. Um, Erase the Borders, the English translation, and I'm going to try the Spanish title to that uh, piece, uh, Barando La Frontera, um, which she started in 2011 and um, is being presented uh, and has been presented in different, um, uh, you know, over time in different places. So. Please check that out. It's a project that she did uh, in Tijuana, um, in Baja, California, where she literally and physically 
um, erased and painted over the border. And so we have documentation of that performance um, uh, at the booths. So an amazing, stellar, exciting and interesting panel here uh, of artists. And I'm going to ask like just three questions really because we only have an hour and we really want to hear from everybody. Um, and my first question is really just for the artists to tell us a little bit more about their work at Untitled. Because although you have many projects between you and you know, you've had many exhibitions over time, but what can people, you know, what are people seeing when they walk into Richard Beavers? What are people experiencing, you know, when they walk into Medicine Newman? This is new uh, work that you are showing at the fair. So if each of you can just, you know, in a few sentences, tell us a bit about the work that's here and that people can experience here. Would you like to start, Phyllis? Okay. Um, the work here is from a series called Jungle Love. And as I was exploring that, I decided to reach out to some people who I thought had these amazing, fantastic love relationships. And I was struck by the comments they made that what love was to them. And it was things like sacrifice, endurance, determination, no expectations. Like none of the flowery things that I was looking for them to say, like he made my heart patter and passion. Um, passion. None of that was included. And then I looked at their 40 and 50 year journey and many of them I've learned I've known for almost that length of time and the entire time I thought they were in love and then I thought wow that really must be the sacrifice the all giving the the I mean I, I kind of do that with my work but that's not that's not how it works just the all giving and what I think touched me the most is that they made sacrifice without thought or mention you know, like I would want to tell you, excuse me, you know, I'm giving up some stuff for you. So I was so blown away. Um, and the only thing that I could compare it to was like a mother's love and how I love my nephews and things like that. But as they really talked about the passion of their relationship, it all determined, it was like that. And then one of my girlfriends said something that I'll never forget. She says, love is all about the quick bounce back and amnesia, she's, you know? And she said, if you get those two down, where you're not lingering in these hardships and, and the confusion and the tough times long, and then you're able to have that amnesia, girl, that's jungle love. And I was like, okay, I got it, I got it. So when I started working on these, I wanted to use various images that I thought were one of the pieces in uh, Richard's booth is called um, We Got This, you know, and I get that a lot from the people who love me because I'm constantly saying, well, I hope I can do this. You got this. And guess what? I believe them. And when someone loves you and tells you, you got this, you actually get it because you believe what they're saying. The next one there was, you know, um, comfort zone. It's just that feeling of being comfortable with the people that you love just that feeling of being at peace with the people that you uh, really, really love. So that one was, I know what that is. I know when you're with your family 
you're cracking up laughing, you're, every, every cover is unveiled in real love. You get to see, again, the jungle jungle. You get to see the bear, the raw, the uncovered. And that was, that's what I was trying to portray um, in this particular series. Not that dressed up storybook love that I fantasize about, but the real real. And I imagine that the real real, unfortunately, is hard and work. I wanted it to be flowery, like, you know, um, Doris Day, when I, go to, when I come home every day, we're dancing and twirling and whatever, but I found that it's real and it's work. But here's what I know, that the people that I talk to who put in 30, 40, 50 years, they all agree, was the easiest job in the long run, and nothing was more worth it than what they put in for their real jungle love. <laughs> Thank you, and you know, um, amen. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's so amazing because as you shared, you have expectations for something to be one thing, and you find out it's quite something else, and that changes also your work and how you yes. portraying them because you might also have thought about well I, I, I'm this is going to be so beautiful and great yes. because I'm going to portray everything so, but your characters if I could call them characters in your work when I go past them there's a sense of self-assuredness you know there's a sense of like you say well, peacefulness never what they start out to be you know okay. it changes just yeah. like love it's never what you think you got to mm -hmm. just push through it get to the end yeah. and get the pot of gold. The real love is yeah. the pot of gold. Yeah. So it, it's wonderful to see them as those characters who are both self-assured, but there's also a lot going on um, in terms yes. of you know the, the patterns you're using, yes. the textures, the compositions the way their bodies are positioned, you know, there's something more going on than just, Absolutely. you know, this Absolutely. beautiful couple staring back at you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Thank since you. you on my left. <laughs> no, it's really inspiring. And I love what you said about uh, comfortability, about uh, the reality of things being pretty, like we have a kind of reality of things being pretty and beautiful, but actually in real life, it's a different experience. And I'm having that now because my works aren't here. So, <laughs> so I'm having a, having a real experience of, uh, you know, a lot of the things that I say in my work about character and resilience and perseverance, which are all beautiful words. But I think the real, the real experience is something else. So it's been, it's been an interesting experience for me. And, and I, I thank the fair. My gallery's been great and people have still been great to be able to come to the booth and still engage with the work. So, but, um, in terms of what the work that I've made for, for this uh, fair. So I come from a Yoruba culture, uh, which is from Nigeria. And in the Nigerian Yoruba culture, we love proverbs a lot. It's very proverbial. So I grew up in a family. Whenever my mom and my father were teaching me something, they would always say these proverbs. And as a kid, I rolled my eyes at them because I thought, here come the proverbs again. But there's such deep lessons because in a proverb, a proverb is never ending. You can always come back to the story and find a new, something new to learn. And a proverb, like a poem, offers different elements where every individual can come to something and find a lesson that relates to their personal experience. 
And so I'm just going to choose one of my paintings to kind of tie up what I feel the narrative of all the paintings are, if you will. And the one that the gallery has displayed on a postcard is a painting called Follow the Yellow Brick Road, which we all know is from the line of The Wizard of Oz. And as a kid, one of my it's one of my favorite stories because it's such a beautiful, simplistic phrase about following the yellow brick road and about this girl who dreams about running away from home and then ends up in a different world and the answer to her problems has always been with her as we all know the story like she's always had the shoes on her foot and then she gets to the end he's holding the card right there and she gets to the end and um the good witch tells her that, well, the answer's always been with you, but all throughout the journey, she meets the Tin Man, I mean, the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Lion. Now, these three people have not been essentially the answer to her problem, but they have been things that have guided her along the way. And I came into art in a very interesting way. As Natasha said, I've got a legal background, I've got a theater background, film and poetry, but they were never the thing they were always things that were drawing me closer to what is the full expression of my artistry now, which is painting, which for me is a total expression of what I feel. So I guess in my work, I'm always showing figures that are right bang in the center because I'm asking everybody to look at ourselves and not run away from who we are and to actually find the thing that connects you to your full expression. So by me, sort of addressing my own pain or my own problem I'm allowing or hopefully empowering the individual to face their own and walk into their own full expression as well so they're all proverbs they're all proverbial they're all kind of parables but they're parables that allow you to address and question yourself does that make sense yeah. absolutely yeah thank you Alex yeah. would you like so to go next two people to jump off from <laughs> Um, so actually, I really respond to both of what you, um, your work, not having seen it, but just the way you talk about it, because I feel like, yeah, sometimes we, um, we look at things and they look one way and we forget that there's the iceberg underneath the water on one hand. And also in that same sense, I feel like proverb or the same thing, right? It's like an encapsulated sentence of you know or something in which we in through which we have to um, decipher uh, something else and so I'm showing paintings and uh, a sculpture at Marissa Newman project but the one that the one piece that I really feel could be interesting to talk about is a new body of work of sculptures that I'm doing with found material from Harlem where, where I live in New York and I've come from different backgrounds and the idea of finding things on the street and using them or recycling them has always been part of my practice and also just way of thinking as a nomadic person and the idea of um, trying to encapsulate all of what's going on in the world right now after COVID environment our racial um, um, I don't want to say issues but Racism. just you know <laughs> issues racism well yeah and how do we go about sort of like putting everything back as a whole into either an object that embodies that 
and can be joyful and not just, you know, we're still like killing ourselves over or sacrificing over this. And so um, I was able to combine through these found objects. So I found a chair that I've sanded down so that it's sort of back to the wood. And I found this piece of wood that they were, there was a construction site and they were just throwing, you know, wood beams away that they took in, they've taken down from the buildings. And I made this um, Polynesian totem out of it. And so the different issues are obviously around the totem, you know, what, what do we uh, celebrate in a sculpture or not? And what do we celebrate with uh, penis-like, you know, verge-like sculpture? And maybe 20 years later decide it's the wrong um, person to celebrate, for example. And so these ideas of, you know, how can we make a sculpture that's totemic that re uh, from which people respond to, but that also celebrates at the same time non-binary, uh, non, to be non-binary, so not just being a phallic object or vulva, but can be both. So the sculpture is actually sort of elongated and goes, um, you know, um, is phallic-like, but it actually has holes in it um, and orifices, maybe is what I should refer to them as, and it's colored. And it's not just one color, it's also multiply colored. Um, and I like this, the relationship that the two objects had, the two pieces of head, because they actually sort of intersect each other. So it could be a rape, but it could also just be procreation. And how do you sort of come together in mixing not only, you know, your fluids, but also blood and how do you make, what do you make out of it at the end, right? And, and the, the, our sort of metis and mixed blood kids are the result of all of these relationships. So that's, maybe that encapsulates sort of what I'm trying to do. And, and again, I think it looks colorful and sort of playful from the outside, but I think for me they are like totemic, um, totemic objects that do um, um, encapsulate all of these issues that we're talking about. Oh, and the relationship, of course, with recycling and wood, because by taking the paint off from the chair, I feel like, you know, we come back to looking at them as one object, and it's sort of a tree, actually. Mm. And, yeah. and we forget about that, right? We're sitting on things sometimes, or we're using objects that are made out of certain materials that have been so transformed or painted that we forget where they come from. And here are these two objects that intersect in their composition as an artwork, but then they're also f of the same thing, of the same, um, so. Yeah, I, I mean, the sculpture is really beautiful because it appears very whole and like they belong together and uh, turns into this third thing, you know? But in fact, it's two completely, they share the similar DNA, the word, but uh, are completely juxtaposed in terms of where they were found, what their individual histories are, and become this amazing kind of symbolic metaphor of this kind of mixing that you're talking about and, you know, the present, walking the streets, all the sort of issues that you currently are thinking about and facing, you know, uh, um, just living your life between you know places as you say this nomadic so I, I hope people will check it out um, thank, thank you, you. Um, so uh, would you like to tell us Anna Teresa about your work and you have 
um, work that is spread in two locations at the fair. I'll, I'll address one. Um, That's right by. Yeah, yeah, which is Borrando la Frontera, which is erasing the border. And I think that the common thread has been like resilience and love between us. And I think having grown up in Tampico, Tamaulipas, in Mexico, one of the things that I think about so much is this agility to transcend the given, where you're constantly working with materials and objects where they're born with one purpose and we repurpose it to create um, some sort of alternative purpose and use. And so having grown up with this vernacular imagery, architecture, usage, I think that that's that insistence that we can transcend and create like triple, multiple uses. Um, I think that when we were imposed with this border wall for us in, especially that's so much present, much more present in Mexico than it is for the United States, in Tijuana, everyone that converges there publicly on the beach in, in Playas, it's like the one main beach. So it, these, these things, which are train tracks that actually got turned from horizontal to vertically placed onto the beach, which train tracks now look like prison bars. And so for me, my first role as a citizen observing, okay, these are train tracks that the original birth was to create a sense of journey, freedom, exploration, all of a sudden got verticalized to do the exact opposite of what they were birthed to do. And so for me, as an agent of change, I was like, okay, what can I use as my weapon to redress this thing, which has been such an imposition. Um, And in 2011, when Obama actually closed the ability for people to come and touch across the border, uh, where families would come and having spent 30 years apart where they were finally able to touch, hug, squeeze each other across these train tracks, they said, no more. And that was when I was like, okay, what, what is it that I can do as an artist? And for me, it was like, let's redress their intent. And so I decided to pull the sky back down and paint a spacing of it uh, sky blue. And so I showed up one morning. I told my mom the idea of what I wanted to do. And she's like, Gordita, let's do it. Let's go like, fly down from San Francisco. We'll do it at 7 a.m. on Saturday. So we drove down to the border at 7 a.m. after having gone through like 100 swashes at the Home Depot. It was like $250 worth of Martha Stewart paint, which she was in prison at the time. So I was like, do it yourself. You can paint yourself out of prison, Martha. And we started painting it sky blue and the border patrol attempted to arrest me um, after 10 minutes. I was up on the ladder and they were like, get down from the ladder, senorita, because I was wearing my tango dress. They didn't know how to engage with me as well as stilettos. And so at the end, that little snippet of senorita allowed me to convince them through having a conversation about the concept where I could see that one of the policemen was like, Oh, I, I get you. I see what you're doing. And they allowed me to continue five hours later. Um, I think one of my favorite moments was hearing a runner like screaming out of the top of his lungs, I get it! I get it! And it was like, I came down from the ladder and I was like, can I help you, sir? He's like, I thought the wall was coming down. I, I've been coming to run and touch the border wall every day for the last 20 years, and I have never experienced this place without a wall between the two countries. 
And for the first moment, you allowed me to think of what this place would look like without this impediment. And I think that for me is um, the note I want to hit, is that to transcend of what we're imposed with and to think of alternatives of what we can create of those public spaces. We can have these spaces without borders, without impediments, without hatred. But one has, one has to imagine it first. Someone has to imagine it first, right? And I think the power of your work is that it actually imagines it already not there. And we see that, well, it wouldn't be such a big deal, you know, <laughs> but, right? And so I think that's the, you know, the power of harnessing that imagination and creating something which we hadn't seen or might not exist in the world before. And so for me, I want to connect that back to what you were saying um, earlier about, you know, um, taking on the role of being an agent of change as an artist and participating in, you know, what it is you do want to see as a citizen, as an artist, etc. Um, and I think that is also a common thread between all your work because there is, um, a, you know, it's a, there is a kind of harnessing of your own agency as artists to put something in the world that wasn't there before. And by doing so, for us to begin to see that that is how, you know, things either could be or sometimes are in different places, but comparatively, um, but also that it opens up a whole new space for, for questions, for thinking, um, uh, as well as for just validizing and valuing and, you know, bringing forth, like, um, this joy that you were talking about, you know, and beauty um, and those ideals and concepts too. So maybe if, you know, anyone can feel free to just yeah, jump can I in and respond to that, actually. Respond, I think, yeah. I think the, the great thing about art is that we are using, you know, you are using notes and you're using colors that people are, and materials that we are already familiar with. So you're not really suggesting anything new to an individual in the sense that if you see the color red, you've seen the color red before, or if you see blue, or like a poet will use words that we use every day. What the poet is doing is, recom com is composing the words in a different order to allow you to consider a new idea. So what you're cleverly doing is meeting people psychologically where they are at, and giving them an access point to consider a new way of thinking. So if you just come to someone and say, you should think like this, and you don't know what that person's been through, everyone's got resistance. But when someone sees something that they've seen before, but that you're using it in a different way, what you're doing is you're touching a memory, a nostalgia of theirs, so they can kind of stop and pause and say, that's a really interesting thing, and now you've got them and now you're engaging. And so I think the beautiful thing about art is that you're not necessarily showing something that we've seen intrinsic, like you've never seen intrinsically before. What you're doing is using things that people have already a, a relationship with, but you're getting them to think about it in a new way. So like what you did, for example, it's not like no one's ever seen paint before, or no one's ever been that, but by your act of composing it in that way it allowed us it allowed people to say actually what do i think about having borders what do i think about separation so i think that's why art is powerful in that way 
And um, Phyllis, I mean, your work in particular, you produced, you know, so many portraits, in, in, you know, um, of, uh, I mean, different series are dealing with women, families, individuals, communities. I mean, do you feel that over the last few decades that you've, you feel your work has really put something out there that wasn't there before and created, you know, um, uh, uh, created a legacy, a cultural legacy also for, you know, the subjects and the characters that, that you are working with and you are engaged in, that you've amplified, you know, these stories um, and, and made present and made visible the experiences of, you know, African-American in the United States, that, that bringing in also, I mean, I like the hybridity in your work as well. I think the fabrics and the textures and the, I mean, there's, there's such a historicalness to your work, but that is also so fresh and alive and present and contemporary today, you know. And you've been doing this for decades, and I'm just curious to hear your, like, looking back, where you are now, you know, what are, you know. You know, as I look back, um, I think that what I started off to do in the beginning, I'm still doing now, to make us remember our humanness, you know, our family, our love, uh, and our similarities. Although the cultures are different, we still have sisters and brothers and mothers and fathers, and the ground and the base is the same. And most of us is based, are based from families that love us, that care about us. And we've shared the same kind of laughters. And the best part of your story was that you called your mother. And she said, yes, let's do it. Because basically, that's what mothers do. You know, my mom used to say, my daughter can do anything. I'd be like, OK, if you say so. You know, OK, if you say so. So those are the things that I've said. It's my, they're story quilts. They tell a story, and I always say, and the stories have a common thread that connects us all. So when you look at it, you can relate, and you can remember, and I just want, when people see my work, to remember who we are as human beings, and the best part of that, that's really important to me, and the love that we usually share, and the minor, the minor of dis, the minorness of discord, but in, in the general bigness, of greatness and love and freedom and all of the things that we're working toward. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I, I, I mean, I agree with you that your work is all so different, you know, yes. and you're responding to very different kinds of situations and moments in time. But I do think, again, the commonality is this very strong humanist and, you know, political and, 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 and sort of enactment of your own agency within the world as well, you know, because um, we often think that the word artist means that we, you're not a, a human and a, and, a, and a sort of citizen and that you pay taxes and, you know, have kids and, you know, right? Like right. that it's this reified position. But in fact, you know, in acting your agency every day in, in all these ways. Um, and so I, th I think that's very um, strong, you know, that, that heritage, that race, that gender, that location, all of these things have value, you know, and how we negotiate that is, is important. Um, and so maybe to, you know, extend um, 
what you were just ending on in terms of um, what people, what, what you want people to take away from your work, maybe you could also just respond to that, you know, in, what, what it, in, in the best situations, you know, what is it that you hope that people will take away from engaging, asking questions, um, digging a little bit deeper into your, into your practice, into your work, into, you know, whether it's sculpture, video, in the best possible situation. We all want, an, want that, don't we? That people just, um, what's the word um, in English? Uh, coeur, you know, when you're like looking at someone across the bar and you're like, oh, that person, interesting. <laughs> and then you get to know or talk to them and all of a sudden it's like, oh, even more interesting. Connection. You know? and, and hopefully yeah. that conversation continues right, between bodies or, you know, inanimate bodies or physical and, 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 and live bodies. Right? Yeah, I... I think one of the, the, again, the common thread, the line between us is also love, you know, and joy, and the ability... And sacrifice. And sacrifice. <laughs> and resilience. I got you. And amnesia. <laughs> you got this. Um, and I think that not forcing people, I think that there's one of the really interesting things that occurred when I did Borrando la Frontera, which is um, when I erased this section of it, um, a lot of the people that lived around there were saying like, you know, so many people come and they, they protest, they scream, they write things, but I actually never saw, paid attention and stopped to see it. And by having a chunk of it gone, like I actually stopped and saw it for the first time. And so sometimes, it's like when we remove someone or something that we're like, wait, what's missing, you know? And, and you, you create an absence. Sometimes there, that visibility arises within us, that awareness to, to inculcate that awareness. Um, it's brought up. And I think that that's something that if you let people sometimes come towards something as opposed to enforce it on them. Um, and I think that that connection of their memory through color, through something, a thread, an intergenerational feeling will slowly emerge and bring you to and connect you to something. I think that that's the agency within the power of art. I, I, I definitely, I think I want to wake people up because <laughs> mine, I mean, you don't know you're sleeping until you wake up. And for me, I was asleep. I mean, art literally slapped me in the face and said, you've been sleeping for years and I've been walking around with a proverbial limp. Like, you can have a pain and you can have something. I think there's something very human about ignoring things and we don't like to look at ourselves and we can think we like to be comfortable and whether that be comfortable financially, comfortable in a relationship, we just like comfortability and anything that challenges us, that forces us to come out, we're kind of afraid of. And for me, there was so much beauty that art gave me without sounding corny. I just, you know, kind of want to invite people to see the joy through color that I use, but this kind of unapologetic blackness I use with the figures, this kind of aggressiveness, the way I use the materials, saying that to go back to what Phyllis said, it's not necessarily pretty, but it's necessary. And sometimes we like to refine things. You know, if, if you spend time with a child 
and a child does a painting, it's so instinctive and it's so necessary, so in the moment, and then they get intellectual about it and then they get philosophical and we come and impose all of these things, but that initial raw expression and talent, I want to bring that back to an individual and wake them up so when they see the work, they're just reminded that you're not dead, like you're alive and so I kind of want my work to slap you in the face and <laughs> wake you up. <laughs> yeah, well, also given this political moment as well, you know, it's, uh, and, and I mean, I love that you are, um, you know, very pointed in bringing up that, uh, you know, blackness, you know, this aliveness of yeah. being alive, of yeah. being a black person in the world, which, you know, whether it's England or sure. the, the United States, is, um, you know, a complicated matter of yeah. walking down the street, etc. And so, of course, none of this is obvious or apparent necessarily sure. in your work. And so there is some digging and some work yeah. and in some questions that people do have to ask, and I think of, of all your work, you have to be curious, you have to want to ask questions and be open to just engaging. And I hope that people at the fair, when they see uh, all this work here, you know, um, are curious enough to ask those questions and to, you know, allow themselves to be open to uh, new discoveries and ideas and new ways of seeing and being in the world because, you know, I, I think that um, in, in all your work, this is so much a part of it, you know, doing it with and for um, for people yeah. to to really have that conversation and connection and dialogue. So I want to thank you all for your work and for being here and for sharing with us today. Um, is there anything that I might not have asked but that any of you would like to share? Any thoughts that anyone has about each other, work, the fairs? Um, yeah, I, I, I would like to say that. Yes. You know, it's necessary that we have categories in art. Like, for example, you have abstract art, portraiture, sculpture, and I think categories are really an access point. But essentially, I feel from our discussion that we're really just having a human experience. And people can come to my work and you will see black faces so immediately from society will mainly think my, wa my work is possibly only talking about a black experience. But if you went to look at a painting and it had a, a white face, you wouldn't think it was talking about a white experience. You say, oh, it's a human experience. But all of a sudden you see a black face and all it's particular just to a black person. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's still a human experience. You're just not used to seeing that color. And so I almost want to eradicate this kind of robotic like default mode of categorizing a work just by virtue of the color of the skin when I am a still a human being so it's necessarily to invite you to have an, a human experience and not necessarily a black experience well I think your work is also so much about creativity as a human experience and, yeah. and if we are going to share something this is what we share you know that there's a deep 
creativity that makes us human, that separates us from That's the animals, it. right? That's that it. separates us from inanimate objects That's is it. that we can think, we can create, we can make, we can love, we can Absolutely. feel, we can Absolutely. do all these things. And that that is at the heart of what makes us human and yeah. to bring that into the world. Yes, you know, absolutely. That we can bring that into the world, our creativity and our humanness to, you know, to deal with the conflicts and the challenges and the problems that we do face. Sure. Because that's the kind of fonts. Absolutely. Right? Um, and, and so you summed that up so beautifully um, by digging back into expression, you know, one's, one's human expression. And that, that creativity and that that human creativity was though to be political i was going to say to not be political but actually to be political was very much denied to people who are other yes. right yeah. and so there is uh, there, there is there is a, 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 um, a power to that to, to the it. work that you're doing to use that, is that why as a political the to jump in with that like it's it's not a negation. It's not ignoring right. it. It's no. almost emphasizing what we're both saying that yeah. this is something you're not used to seeing, yeah. and so I want to know that but my space is just as valid yeah. as yours, yeah. but and it's, it's also human, and it's always yeah. been there. Yeah. If you Absolutely. go to the National Portrait Gallery, you walk up, and they're showing you paintings from the 19th century, and you see one, two, three, four, maybe black faces, as if I didn't exist. And I was like, actually, I did exist. You're just not seeing my face. So when I paint, I paint what I see. So I, I am just m as much as present as any other human being. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. On that human note, <laughs> um, we conclude today's talks. Thank you so much to everyone here, all the artists. Please be sure to check them out at the fair and join us tomorrow at 5 p.m. We will chat to some curators about what they do and their projects at the fair. And remember to catch the podcast where you get your podcasts. <laughs>